Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi yajma'in wa ba'd. Tonight, inshallah ta'ala, as I already announced, we are reading from chapter 10 of Riyadh al-Salihin, uh, a very interesting chapter, which has quite a few traditions as well in it, that encourages each and every one of us to do good deeds, and not to even delay in doing so. So uh, tonight, like I said, I would like to share a couple of traditions uh, of our beloved Prophet Wasallam. Since this is a traditional circle, study circle, we are reading our sacred scripture, we of course need to read the texts, the original texts in the original language, in Arabic. So I'll read uh, the first hadith in Arabic and then we will uh, provide you with a translation and then a brief explanation or commentary on this particular tradition. It is hadith number 88 of the book. Okay, so we are getting slowly somewhere there, inshallah. So this is the second hadith in this chapter. An Abi Sirwa, yeah, very unusual kunya, I have to say. Bikasri seen il muhmala wa fathiha. Uqba ibn al Harith. So this Sahabi is better known by his actual name than kunya. Uqba ibn al Harith, radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala. صليت وراء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالمدينة العصر فسلم ثم قام مسرعا فتخطى رقاب الناس إلى بعد حجر نسائه ففزع الناس من سرعته فخرج عليهم فرأى أنهم قد عجبوا من سرعته قال ذكرت شيئا من تبر عندنا فكرهت أن يحبسني فأمرت بقسمته رواه البخاري وفي رواية له كنت خلفت في البيت تبرا من الصدقة فكرهت أن أبيته التبر هو قطع الذهب أو فضة قطع الذهب أو فضة تبر so this hadith, as you can see, we have like a little version, which is an addition, really, an explanation, both uh, recorded by Imam al-Bukhari uh, in his Sahih. So this is Uqba ibn al-Harith, radiallahu anhu, who reports to us. He said, listen to this, once he said, I prayed the Asr prayer in Medina behind the Prophet So he was in Medina, so we know roughly when this uh, whole episode took place. It was in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ and it was Asr time, okay? So the Prophet ﷺ led them in Asr prayer and he was among the people who attended that particular prayer. And this is what happened after the prayer ended. So he said, uh, I prayed Asr prayer in Medina behind the Prophet ﷺ and after, they didn't translate this, I don't know why, after he gave salam, means after he ended the prayer, okay, فَسَلَّمَ ثُمَّ قَامَ He then immediately or subsequently uh, got up, yeah, after finishing the prayer, and he stepped over the people, like he went out to one of the rooms of his wives, like he made his way towards the rooms of his wives, which this is where he resided. The people, the congregation, were surprised at his speed, haste. And when he came out and he saw that people were surprised and astonished, at his uh, way of going out and, and the speed, he said, I remembered that there, was, that there was some gold left in the house 
which was meant for charity. So he prayed the prayer. After he finished, he remembered that there was a, a bit of gold, some gold or silver uh, that was left in the house, but is meant for charity. And I did not like to keep it any longer in the house. So I rushed. Yeah, he hastened. He quickly went. So I gave orders. So he gave orders to wherever it was, in whichever room it was, whatever was the wife, let's say Aisha. So he gave orders to his family that it should be distributed. So he just remembered straight away. He came back, obviously, to, to either give them more talk, say something, or do dhikr after the prayer, which is the sunnah, as you know, his practice. But he quickly rushed back home to his room to, to do that good deed in particular that he either forgot and he didn't want the, the gold, the, the bit of gold or silver to stay in the house any longer. So he delegated one of his family members. It doesn't have to be one of his wives, anyone, uh, a servant or anyone that was there to go and distribute it, to give it in charity, basically. And the other tradition even confirms this more. The Prophet, والسلام, when he came back, he told them the reason why he was going over the people and rushing he said, I remember that uh, I had left some gold for sadaqa in the house and I didn't want it to stay there overnight. So look, subhanallah, uh, this is both, like I said, Bukhari uh, recorded this hadith in his uh, book. So it's a hadith which is sahih, subhanallah. So we are human beings. وَمَا سُمِّيَ الْإِنسَانُ it's like we are actually called human beings because we are forgetful. And that is the root, like the core DNA that we have. Like a really uh, major issue that we have, human beings, because we depend on our memory. And since we are not perfect, we do forget. We are forgetful beings. We are not fearful creatures like foxes, but we are resilient, strong, and patient, but we are forgetful. We forget things. So the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us a huge lesson here. The moment you remember and have the uh, ability to do a good deed, don't hesitate. Don't delay anymore. So look, he remembered at that moment. And for him, it was more important to dispatch that particular good deed so that he doesn't forget again. And the bit of gold that, or silver is not probably much doesn't stay overnight in the house so that somebody actually could have benefited the day before from it rather than tomorrow. So it's a huge, basically, lesson and uh, encouragement, very strong encouragement in hurrying in doing good deeds. And that is why this hadith is in this chapter. But as I always do, let us look a little bit closer at this hadith. Uh, it's not too long. Uh, it's not too short either. It's a medium-sized hadith. Regarding the language of this hadith, the most difficult term has been described, explained to us by Imam Nawawi himself. Imam Nawawi immediately explained uh, the meaning in Arabic of at-tibr, because this is one of those terms like waraq, means fiddha. It's like, who really uses this term waraq nowadays? <laughs> Everybody's saying fiddha, isn't it? Very few. And, and who says at-tibr? And it, he means precious uh, materials. It could be either gold or silver. It's a very, like, people who trade in these commodities, maybe they have those terms and they use all those. 
they're quite familiar, but the, most of us, we're not in this industry, in this business, so these terms are extremely difficult, especially this one, because it doesn't mean either gold or silver, it actually means a bit of gold or silver, qita, like small pieces of gold or silver. Anyway, so that is the most difficult term, it's already explained, and in the translation, usually it's always explained because the translation is the narration of the meanings of what the original text meant to say. Yeah, so the translation is like a commentary in a way. However, there's a few more, a uh, couple at least, uh, terms which I would like to share from this hadith. The second one is فتخطى. Yeah. So the Prophet ﷺ literally, because people were praying, so as you know, part of our etiquettes is to fill the gaps in, in the sufuf, in the rows. So there, there were no gaps, basically. There was no way to go out freely, like a path. So he had to step over the people, okay, as they were seated, sitting down, because the prayer was finished, okay. And now, it's interesting, the scholars, they said, this term implies that uh, the people were sitting down. They were not like half of them late for the prayer, like we have nowadays. And maybe, I don't know why it happens, Allah, Allah, people should be given their, you know, good excuses for being late for prayer. But uh, maybe in the time of the Prophet they did not actually miss the opening uh, takbir much or even the adhan, like they would be there before the prayer time enters. And I know I don't want to mention any countries in particular, but I know some uh, Muslim cultures, certain countries, where it is, you are late. It's like culturally you are seen as being late if you came to your masjid after the adhan. Yeah? And the adhan sometimes goes on for the sunnah, as you know before. But in those cultures, usually they don't wait too long, like 15, 20 minutes between adhan and iqamah, like in the Middle East or most Arab countries. So I like that culture because I think that is what was uh, common at the time of the Prophet So it seems they were all eager, very eager, especially when they knew that he would lead them in prayer, that they are there from the word go, from the beginning. Yeah? And they're not late. So when he finishes the salam, they can all engage in dhikr, collective dhikr or simultaneously, but individually. And nobody is disturbing the other. Okay, this is really important. Otherwise, we wouldn't like uh, believe, and also, why after Asr prayer? Why did the Rawi mention it was Asr prayer? Because after Asr prayer of all those prayers, Fajr like according to Hanafis, there is no nafil. So they didn't get up to pray more sunnah, at nafil prayer. So they finish the fard of Asr prayer, and that's it, we finish, and usually there is the dhikr, the evening dhikr begins from that, the hizm of the evening dhikr starts from that. So the Prophet, this is established sunnah, the Prophet really did that. And you know, he said so much praise that hour uh, after Asr till the sunset, if you engage yourself in dhikr as if there's really nothing better than that for you to do the whole day, it's like so rewarding. So uh, a couple of those points are uh, alluded here. So they were seated. Otherwise, the Prophet would not basically walk in front of praying people, or he wouldn't push them away like, or disturb them in their prayer. But rather, they were seated and doing their own dhikr. 
or reading, revising Quran, or tasbih. Usually, it's the tasbih after salah which we read. Okay, that one. Hujar is not difficult really, but it's jama' hujra. Uh, so, hujra uh, could mean a chamber, a room, but it also could be the name of, of a home, a house, yeah, al-manzil. Okay, so that's another benefiting language. A fafazi'a. Okay. The Quran mentions, of course, this term, fafazi'a. So, for those of us who are more familiar with Quranic Arabic, we will know, but people who are not so familiar, they will maybe struggle a little bit. So what it means is like, uh, yeah, it's like, they were, like I think in English, it's astonished, he said. Yeah, I think he used it. Surprised, I said. But they were actually, you know, taken by surprise. Yeah, astonished, astonishment. Why? Because this was not the Sunnah of the Prophet. This was not his habit. Right? So, on this occasion, the Prophet did something which was not the usual thing that he would do. And we know it's quite the other way around, isn't it? He told people not to step over people. <laughs> you know, like not to go over the lines unless there is a hajj. But this time there was a hajjama in his opinion, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in his ijtihad and understanding. And for us, it's an encouragement, it's a, it's a lesson that we learn. So when there is an opportunity to do good, even if that means, you know, you finished your prayer and then you got up and went through the people, but you, you quickly went there to help someone who is in desperate crying or condition or, or do some, like volunteers, like you do. Finish the Jumu'ah prayer, immediately go out there, something like that. That is exceptional. So it does not defeat the, the, the general sunnah, the general practice of the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasallam. So the people were actually afraid because uh, they knew that his way of walking was always very calm. He never did anything like that. This was not part of his demeanor, of his attitude. Uh, and secondly, like maybe they were worried on his health. Like, this, is he in pain or uh, what is going on? Why is he he's not rushing like this? Did something actually happen at home? And Allah alluded into it through an angel. And he rushed quickly to attend to someone who is dying or something like that. So genuinely they were concerned for him, his well-being, uh, as well as his household, family. So this is come from the term annas, okay? And uh, the last term from this hadith, an yahbisani. Ay an yushghilani, yeah, yushghilani at-takfir fihi. So this is what is mentioned in this first riwayah, but in the second one, the Prophet said like he didn't want to forget again about the, the gold or silver, uh, and that it stays there overnight because his other sunnah was that whatever valuable was, anything valuable that was in the house and that was a surplus, faida, ziyada. He never let it be stored. Like he didn't need storage, basically. He didn't need fridge or freezer or storage in his house because he would never store anything which was a surplus beyond what him and his family needed for the day. So that is another interesting point. So he mentioned that and explained it in the second riwayah, the other riwayah, which is also Bukhari's riwayah, Al-Mabit, like it staying there for hours and hours. 
whereas it could have benefited someone immediately uh, or sooner rather than later. But the second one, which is in the first riwayah, this term, al-habs, you know, habs like arrest, yeah, uh, catching someone, withholding something, is unbelievable. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, as we know, he was the best of all people. So at all times, he would think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember him. 